Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're chatting about Squid Game, binge-watching stuff on Netflix. We're talking about the editing process with my book and how much of a roller coaster that has been, as well as my video game addiction and my struggles with kind of dealing with that. I hope you'll stick around, guys. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is Bed Letter. If you enjoy the show, the best way to show your support is by heading over to bedletter.substack.com and subscribing. You'll be kept up to date on all new episode releases as well as columns that I write on a wide range of topics. It's all over there. Another really great way to help out is by sharing this episode with someone you know who you think might find it interesting. One share really does go a long way. The links to the Substack, my Twitter profile, and everything else can be found in the description of this episode. I hope you guys enjoy. We are back. We are back again. Back again, flying solo, ranting and raving, doing whatever. Doing what we do best. Titting about everything under the sun. Little of this, little of that, you know. You know how it goes. You know how it goes. Lots on the mind. It's been a good week though. Working a lot. Uh, just got this just got this new piece up, this new voices project up, the second part of it. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you go check it out. Make sure you go check that out. That's honestly, you know, at the end of the day, that's more important than whatever rantings I have right now. <laughs> if you haven't heard that, make sure you go check it out. Um so two episodes before this one, uh, part 1 is Can't Drown a Fish, Homeless in a Hurricane. Part two is Flying Cats. So uh, make sure you check those out. Lots of interesting conversations with homeless people in New Orleans as they survived and endured and kind of hunkered down and dealt with Hurricane Ida. Um, I went down there a couple weeks ago and discussed their circumstances with them in the flesh, you know, person to person, side by side, and really had a good time. Really, really was an eye opening experience for me. Um, sort of transformative, if you will, to go down there and, and kind of see what was going on and see, just see some of the crazy and hear some of the crazy stories of these people that, that uh, you know, they weren't even fortunate enough to, fortunate enough to have a, a house that, that uh, oftentimes, I mean, some of them had apartments and things, but um, most of them weren't fortunate, fortunate enough to have a house that could be could receive property damage and they or have a car to evacuate in or anything like that um some of them endured the storm outside just outside uh one of the guys elton one of the one of the first guys i well the first guy i talked to in part two flying cats that's actually where the episode gets its name flying cats um tells the story of of being in the french market and just hearing the crazy sound of the hurricane like a train running over the roof and and seeing cats flying 30 or 40 50 feet up in the air just over their heads along with you know a whole myriad of other debris walls and roofs and all that stuff 
Um, really an interesting story that he has and really, I mean, they all do. They all just have such a, such interesting stories and such, such, I don't know. It's just wild to imagine. I've never imagined somebody just being in a hurricane. You know, I, I've always thought of them as being inside, evacuated in a car, trying to get out, something like that. You know, you just never think of like people being in it and having to endure it and be, and stay in it and having nowhere to go. So, um, you kind of get a couple cool perspectives over the course of this, uh, the two part series, the two part homeless in a hurricane series that I just did. But this is kind of a, kind of a detox, kind of a, not even a detox, more of a decompression kind of from that. Just hanging out, just talking, venting, ranting, getting it out, talking into the mic, letting the airwaves flow, you know. Um, so what have I done this week? Last week, I guess it's kind of been more of like a week and a half since I did one of these. Um, one thing that's been on my mind a lot that I did eh, is probably about a week, week and a half ago, actually, I, uh, I, I sort of binged and I, I don't like binge watching television. I have to say, I'm not a, a television binge watcher. I don't binge television shows uh, anymore. I definitely had a time where I used to, um, but even even when I did, even when I used to binge watch television shows, I never liked it. It always bugged me. I've always hated that. You know, I've always, I've always felt like useless when I'm binge watching something. Like, and maybe this just comes from maybe some like deep desire or need to just like, I don't know, feel like I'm like worth something or doing something that's worth something. But uh, I've always, I've always had beef with binge watching, right? Um, it's just always been there, and I—I I, I mean, I've binge watched all kinds of things in the past. I've binge watched Game of Thrones. I've binge watched Breaking Bad in the past. I've binge watched uh, Trailer Park Boys, Letterkenny, Scrubs, The Office. Um, I mean, there's there's some that I'm missing for sure. Uh, I kind of binge watched uh, Kingdom. That's a really good zombie. South or Korean zombie show on Netflix. I actually would highly recommend that one. Really good show. Um, I believe it's on Netflix. I can't remember exactly. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've definitely been a binge watcher in the past. But I, I make a specific and concerted effort these days to not do that. Um, just because I feel like when I'm in the middle of binge watching something, I feel like it's almost like a drug, Right. It feels like this thing that I can't get out of my mind. It feels like this thing that that sort of rules existence, right? And, and even when you're not watching it, like it gets night, especially when it's like nighttime and you, you just watched like three episodes and it's time for bed and you know it's time for bed and your body knows it's time for bed and all of the good little particles of your body are like, it's time to go to bed, right? The little angel boy on your shoulder is like, come on. Tug it on your earlobe a little bit, you know, like, let's go, it's time for bed. And and you just, you click, you just let the Netflix automatic whatever, I mean, every single, every single, you know, streaming platform does this automatic thing where it just plays the next episode, YouTube does it, everywhere does it. And so you kind of just let that happen and all of a sudden you're in the next, you know, the fourth episode or whatever and and then you end up going to bed super late. And so, and that's not good for anybody. And so that's, I don't know, I just don't like it. I don't like binge watching things. I think it ends up dominating your life 
I think it ends up, I don't know, having more of a negative impact than, than a positive one, to say the least. I mean, it's good. It's fun to consume interesting and, and engaging content. There's no doubt. I mean, Breaking Bad is one of the best television shows I've ever seen. I mean, I have my, I have my beefs with several things about it, but you know, it's one of the better television shows. And I tell you, it's just when you're in it, it's just like that's all you want to watch. That's when you're watching it, you just want the next episode, and it's it has this like addictive drug tendency thing to it and and nowadays we get you know we don't get spoon-fed little chunk by little chunk anymore a lot of the times we just get like full seasons just hand delivered just piles of cocaine for you to sniff for the whole week right i mean it's just delivered in full and and you just kind of consume it that way. And there's and, and when it comes to a strictly content perspective, there's pros and cons there too. I mean, I watched The Walking Dead for years and years before it... I mean, I watched it when it was shit as well. But I watched it for years and years before it turned into shit. And, um, and that was just a one-episode-a-week thing, you know? One episode every week on uh, what is it AMC and 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 doing that and to be honest there's some aspects of that show that I think are better when watched back to back right when watched in sort of the movie format where you kind of get the full thing in one one serving one helping right but uh but there's cons to it too you end up spending so much time so much time and I think the binging can become a habit like you binge one show, what's why? Why not binge another? Why and then and then you you know it's like, and then once you finish that one, it's like, well, I gotta have you know. For me, one thing that's hard is it's like I like watching stuff while I eat while I eat food, right? So I like you know if I'm eating dinner or something or or a snack or whatever, I like I like to watch something, and it's sort of the flip way too. If I'm gonna watch something, I like to have I like to eat. So it's it's like flipped. It's like if I'm already eating the meal, I want to watch something. Or if I'm already going to watch something, I kind of want to eat something as well. So I end up snacking more when I'm binging. I end up, you know, you just end up developing these these little subtle habits that kind of, they I think they embed like ticks a little deeper than we think they do. And so I, I'm really weary of binge watching things or starting television shows in general. I, don't, I try actually not to really watch or get into hardly any television shows these days. Um, I'm more of a movie fan. Movies are, I think the format of a movie is kind of better too, um, for me at least, uh, just because you get your thing that you get and then it's over and then you can move on. And television shows, if you're lucky, you know, if, if, if it's a one season ordeal, then it's over and then you can move on. But a lot of times they extend television shows for seasons and seasons on end. You know, it just goes on forever and they're just scraping the bottom of the radioactive barrel to find anything, anything that's that's worth that's worth telling a story about. They start instead of letting the, the plot and the characters drive the the story, it just becomes this like let's just make shit up so we can spoon feed it to people who are sitting on the couch, even if it's like terrible storytelling, terrible content, like Walking Dead became, right? Um, that's a great example of that. Just like, you know, Game of Thrones went too long. Game of Thrones went way too long. The final season of Game of Thrones is a literal dumpster fire. 
Um, actually, the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones, in my opinion, were a dumpster fire. I, in my opinion, I didn't even really like the last season of Breaking Bad. But, uh, I mean, it was okay. There were some good episodes, don't get me wrong. But um, a lot of times, shows just go on for too long. And, you you, you know, you're mainlining that, that shit right into your vein the whole time. So, I don't know. I, I, again, weary of binge watching, very weary of it. You know, I, I like if something's one season, you know, and it's just one bout, one, one thing. And I know there's not like if, if like if something's 10 seasons, you can forget it. Like, no way am I starting that. That's way too big of an investment, in my opinion. Like, what is what is Grey's Anatomy on like season 28 or whatever? I don't even know. Like, it's probably not that high. But, you know, I would never even start that show. I've never I've never even seen that show. Um, and I know there's some of you out there who would, you know, like jaw slam through the floor out the other side of the earth because I have, I'm saying this about Grey's Anatomy. I know it has kind of a cult following in some cases, but, um, point being that I like digestible content and content that's not seeking primarily to rule my life or to take hours of my life away. Um, that would be the, the most prominent feature (laughs) Right, that I that I appreciate about movies, and I appreciate appreciate about seasons of shows that end when they should. They've told their story and they move on, right? Um, and so that you know, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I I really don't like binge watching stuff. When I do, I feel like like uh you know halfway through it when I know and I'm in the middle of it. And when I'm towards the end, I just feel like that morning you wake up and you're just like. You know, you just feel like you've just spent the entire night pounding drinks and doing whatever drugs and this and that and the other and like waking up and just like, oh, what am I done, right? What have I done? And so I I, I, tr- I tread very carefully when it comes to television shows and, and, and starting new ones. But the one that I started and finished and I won't say binge watched fully, I, I spent a good few days on it. Um, was Squid Game. Um, if you haven't seen Squid Game yet, you gotta watch it. It's one season. I hope it stays one season. For the people that are calling for a second season, I, I just, I think it's so easy to call for a second season because you like something. I mean, it's that's it's just like when you read a really good book and it ends and you feel like you've like been broken up with or you feel like you've lost some important part of your life. Um... You want more. You want more. The natural tendency is to want more, right? But I, I, I really kind of, I kind of hope that they don't do a second season because I think the first season stands so well alone, and I think it ends pretty well. I think it, the way it ends is is good enough that you don't need to do another season. But you know, the problem there is that Squid Game is like one of the most successful pieces of media content that Netflix has ever produced and created ever uh that the chances of them not doing a second season are pretty is pretty slim i mean they would want to capitalize on that from a business standpoint whether or not there's another story to tell um and and anyway it's a good show though it's a really good show the premise for those that don't know squid game it's on netflix i'm not going to spoil anything in this but uh, the premise of the show is 
kind of this idea. Uh, it's it's a South Korean show. It's a where so you you know yeah. If you don't like watching subtitles, then you're not going to enjoy this. But uh, I would just highly recommend trying it at least. You know the dialogue is all in South Korean, or in Korean. I mean, and it uh, takes place in South Korea where. Um, you know, a bunch, a whole bunch of people who are uh, down on their luck, who who are experiencing, you know, they're in debt up to their ears. They are poor. They are experiencing a lot of hardship. Right. Um, some of them are in debt to to people they've taken loans out from. Some of them are just barely getting by. You know, there's a whole bunch of situations. But there's about there's like five hundred, four hundred. What is it? Four hundred fifty six people. And they get inducted into this game. They get invited to play this game, right? And the whole premise of the show is these people, they play this game and they're trying to win prize money, a very huge sum of prize money, right? It's like, I think in American dollars, it's like $38 million or something like that. And the prize money goes up as, as contestants drop out of the game. But the the catch is that, uh, you know, there's like five or six rounds of the game that they play. And it's a bunch of child's games that they're playing, right? So uh, one of the games they play is, like the first game they play is Red Light, Green Light, right? Um, it's a child's game. People played it. I remember we played it a little bit on the playground when I was a kid. Um, it's, you know, it's a very old game. It's been around forever. And... Um, the catch to this is you don't just drop out of the game. The catch is if you lose the game, and and like I said, there's like five or six games. Red light, green light is just the first one, but there's there's a whole there's a whole bunch of them. Um, and if you lose the game that you're playing, you die. You get killed. the the The, the circumstances are such that you, the game is designed so that if you lose, you die, right? Um, and so as they're weeding out these 456 players, you know, they're whittling it down to the final group or people that are that are going to play in the last game and whoever wins basically can walk gets to walk away with all this money. Um, and the show and it's set up to where these people they're not just like kidnapped uh, they're invited to play the game like they didn't have to uh, with with one of the other catches being that like when you invite someone who's up to their ears in debt or completely down on their luck or needs to provide for their family and just doesn't have any money and is like willing to do whatever it takes to get that money and you present them with this option it becomes a um it doesn't really become a choice at all i guess you could say uh there is a choice right to to the people looking on there is a choice but to the people being asked and the people joining the game there doesn't really feel like a choice right there doesn't it seems like the best way out for the maximum amount of of profit but the downside being that they will potentially and more than likely more likely than not die um everybody in the game believes that they can be the winner and that's kind of how it runs now when the people first show up to play the game they don't know that they're going to die they don't know that that's one of the characteristics of the game um, of losing one of the games you know but it's it's just such an interesting show i i really would recommend it um it's like nine episodes or something they're all like 50 to 60 minutes one of them is like 30 minutes 
So really, it's not, you know, back to my binging point, it's not like this huge investment. It's not this, uh, you're taking on like a seven season, you know, string along you're you, you know you're you're it's just one season you can get it done in a week um and it's good it's really interesting the acting is phenomenal i tell you what south korea knows how to make stuff man they, they some of the stuff they make is so good it's so good um i love zombie movies and they've made some of the best zombie movies i've seen um, they also just have good, like I was saying that that show Kingdom earlier. That's a, I believe that's a Korean production. Um, like I said, I think it's on Netflix, but that is a fantastic show. Like holy cow, nobody gets zombies right, but like the Koreans kind of figured it out, and and not even just zombies, but like lots of different things. They definitely have good content a lot of times, and so, um, like I said, highly recommend it. And it's also a really interesting show if you're into how human psychology works amidst like desperation right amidst like um you know there's elements of of betrayal and backstabbing and loyalty and and um and like what somebody will do for money what somebody will do in the face of like almost no likelihood of obtaining money but such a high number value with like the possibility of such a high number value that it's that that they're willing to do whatever right even participate in games where they are more than likely going to die and so it's it plays on a lot of different psychological and uh, tropes right but they're presented in a way that are very interesting and it's it's just a it's just a ride it's just a hell of a ride um and it's it's just good it's good pretty much all the way through there's a couple little things that you can laugh at and chuckle at but uh that could have been maybe a little better but Almost the whole way through, it's it's phenomenal storytelling, phenomenal acting. The actors are amazing, and uh, really, I would say, really worth the time to check it out. Again, it's one of like it's probably Netflix Netflix's most successful content they've produced uh, ever is what they is what I've heard. Um, I know it was sitting at like this first spot, like spot number one on Netflix for quite a while there. So, really good stuff there. Definitely check that out. Um, that was that was like the first thing I did. What else have I done this week? One of the big things I did this week is I've been editing my book a lot, right? Um, I'm getting towards, I would say the the I don't want to use the term home stretch, but I'm I'm getting close to entering the home stretch. I think where um, you know where I, I think I'm in the final few chapters. Uh, sort of putting that together. Um, and I'm kind of intimidated by that because the book is very raw and very, uh, very, you're, you're there. You know, you are, I'm trying to convey the emotions by putting you there in the rawest way. And, I think when a story does that, it, it the ending has to be good, right? And I think that's one of the things I'm scared of. I don't want to at the end. I don't want to come off as preachy, but again, it's not. It's not a self help book. It's a story. It's a story of lessons I learned, and you know, the, obviously, one of the hopes is that the lessons I learned can also be lessons that readers learn, um, or at least 
get a little light shed on. And so, um, I'm kind of in, I'm, I'm getting close to the home stretch, but I've been doing this thing where I go back and edit some of the beginning chapters and kind of remember and remind myself of, of how those started. I think right now I'm in the middle of writing chapter 18, um, 250 plus pages, something like that. And we're, we're getting there, you know, it's, it's, oh, it's been such a fun and, and painful and amazing ride writing it. Like it's probably up to, up to this point in my life, it's probably one of the biggest things that it's, it's easily one of the biggest things I've ever, like the biggest project I've ever worked on period. Um, and it's been, I'll tell you, it's been like liberating to realize that like, I can do that liberating to realize to myself and prove to myself that like this is something I'm capable of doing um and as I've gone back and edited it's been really interesting because it's it's difficult it's such a such a roller coaster in the editing process right because I'm kind of doing a little bit of editing um one day and 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 then I'll go back you know the next day and I'll continue chapter 18 or chapter you know whatever part I'm at writing and it that's it, to me that's helpful because I'm remembering some of the metaphors and some of the different things I used in the earlier chapters in the book, and I'm and I'm helping myself to recall those into the later chapters of the book um, now that I have more uh, experience behind me in the previous chapters of the book, you know, kind of building up these metaphors, building up these these ideas, right? And the editing process is a roller coaster, though. It's it's really interesting. It's 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 like it's like you're interacting with something you care so intimately about, right? Because, I mean, I really... The things I'm talking about are mine, right? They're my own experiences, and and the story is my own. But And so when you try to edit that, and you try to, you try to decide what parts deserve to be... Eh, maybe, maybe that doesn't belong. Maybe that doesn't need to be said that way. Maybe... Maybe it would be better to say this this way. And that's not to say like changing the course of what actually happened. Because I would say this is a creative nonfiction work. But, uh, you know, changing the way something is said, right? Um, the way I word something. Uh, that is That can be a difficult process. That can be a really difficult process. Um, especially when it's something so close to me. And I'm I'm not obviously going to be the only editor on this piece. Obviously, I'm not letting I'm not letting anybody else touch it really until I finish it. Um, you know, until I get all the chapters done and you know get my edit done, then I'll send it out to my editors and have them edit it, and I'll get that back and do some more editing and editing and editing. I mean, that's the game, right? That's the game. It's going to be scaffolded up for a while, but. Um, but the editing process is interesting. It's, it's both damning and liberating. It's both, it's both interesting to go back and see, oh, I wrote that in chapter one. Oh, that doesn't really fit now that I've, now that I've hit chapter 18 and I know what more of the book is about. It's like, ah, that, that needs to be tweaked. This point actually isn't that important and, and doesn't even need, that could be left out. Right. Um, and so just really deciding how to navigate that is difficult. I know that one thing I think about a lot is I had this teacher um, a long time ago, a couple of years ago in my last semester of college. She's my poetry teacher. 
and she told she brought up this idea of killing your darlings, killing your darlings. And you, you hear that and you think, oh, what the hell? What does that mean? Um, and it's, it's, it's a difficult concept in writing. It's probably one of the most difficult concepts in editing, especially editing something that you have written yourself. Because when you write something, you have, a, you have these darlings, right? You have these things you've written that are like certain paragraphs or certain lines or words that say something, in your opinion, so perfectly. Um, you know, you've put the perfect words in the perfect order and you, and it's your darling, right? It's a darling phrase, right? You love this phrase. And, but sometimes you're so close to the work that you don't see that maybe this phrase or this thing actually doesn't play in the way you think it does to the wider audience, or maybe it just doesn't work at all. You know, there's, there's little things like this. And so you have to um, be willing to kill your darlings. It's essentially this. It's essentially saying you have to be willing to edit without mercy, right? Um, if something doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. You you kill it and you move on. But uh, and so it's kind of difficult doing that. It's definitely difficult doing that when you're when you're intimate with a piece that you're that you've written and something an idea that you're forming, and you have to kind of kind of wrestle with that. Um, so that's something that I've been really doing a lot lately is is wrestling with what's with what's good, with what's what what's bad, what what's needed and what's not. And and some days I walk away feeling really good and I walk away happy and, and energized and like I did some good work today. And some days I walk away from the editing process at least and it's like I'm just pissed, right? I'm just angry. I I can't you know, maybe there's something that, that I want so badly to put in there, but the way I worded it is like not good, but then I can't think of another way to word it. And it's like, it's agonizing sometimes. And sometimes you walk away pissed. And so that's definitely something that I've been kind of working with a lot this week is is, is editing without mercy. Um, and, but then also, like I said, using some of that editing process to really um, launch me into the last part of the book and, and figuring out how to tie everything together and, and wrap it all up into something that I can be, um, proud of. And I'm, I'm really excited for it. I'm, like I said, biggest thing I've ever worked on. And I, I know it's going to be a pain in the ass to get it published. I'm sure it will be. Everybody's always said that. So I'm just telling myself it will be. And if it's not, then that's awesome, but I'm sure it will be. Um, but I love it. I'm so excited. I think it's. I think, I think the themes of the book are extremely important right now. The themes of the book are extremely, extremely important. You know what? How do you find meaning in your life? And I'm not preaching in this book. I'm again, it's a story. Um, but that's one of the biggest ones. Is is how do you decide? You know, the perfect moment to start chasing something in your life doesn't exist. You'll never enter that moment. It's 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 up to you right now to make something happen. Um, that's kind of one of the bigger overarching themes. But I don't want to talk too much about that, about the themes of the book, because it's still, you know, a little under wraps and I'm still working through it. But, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be forthcoming, obviously. Uh, my goal is to at least have the major part of the book, you know, just like the meat of the book you know, not fully edited, not fully figured, not fully, you know, like 
manuscripted perfectly out and everything, but like the meat of the book, all the chapters said and done so I can really get into the editing process by the end of 2021. So by the end of December of this year, I want to have it pretty much wrapped up with the with the with the majority of the writing portion. Um so that gives me what, a month and a half? Uh no, two and a half months, sorry. A month and a half would be crazy. Uh two and a half months to get that going. And I and I totally believe I can I can make that goal. I made that goal for myself months ago, back when I was kind of starting the book. I started the book in June, or I think it might have been I'd have to double check. Either the end of May or really, really early June. I think it was the end of May I started it. But uh I don't know. It's been a it's been one hell of a ride and I love it. I love it. I love it. If you've ever thought about starting a book, which I think just about everybody in the world has, uh, do it. Just at least try. I don't know. Give it a shot. I've started about 100 books. If you look at my files, I have like a dedicated file on my Google Drive and on my laptop, two different files that are like book ideas or book starts or book what I can different whatever I call book projects, I think is what I call the files. And there is, it's just full of, diff, you know, a whole bunch of different like things that I, that I got several pages into and was like, wow, this ain't going to work, you know, or my brain's dead now. And, and I can't think of where to take this from here. Um, but Hey, you know, at least, at least give it a shot is what I'd say. So what else, what else we got? Um, one thing I did want to talk about actually is this new thing, this thing I wrote on the Substack, uh, and just as a quick plug, you can check out that Substack. Please check out that Substack over at bedletter.substack.com. Um, but one thing I've been I've been thinking about, and also just as a side note, real quick, I recently moved the podcast over from where I was hosting it uh, at a with a website and a service called Buzzsprout. Um, I moved over, I transitioned to hosting with Substack. So now both all the columns I write, my, my newsletter, all that stuff, and the podcast, are both of those are in one place, one directory, one you know combined newsletter slash podcast list. And I am very happy with that. I'm I, the transition's been for the most part smooth. There's been some bumps. There's no doubt there's been some bumps. But on the whole it's been pretty smooth. Um you know some of the descriptions and things, some of the little things, you know, some of the artwork and different little things aren't like updating appropriately like in on like Apple Podcasts or in uh on Spotify things like that. But on the whole, the content is still there. All episodes, one through, I think this, uh, I think one through 61, this would be 62, I believe. And so that's there. And, and, and on Substack, it's even, you know, everything's mushed in. You've got all the newsletters that I've written, all the columns, all that stuff's all together. And if you subscribe to the Substack, you will be updated every time a new podcast episode comes, every time a new, you know, blog piece or a new uh, newsletter piece comes obviously I'm, those aren't like every day three times a day it's like once or twice a week so you're not going to get bombarded but uh definitely go check that out and if you haven't yet all you got to you can sign up on the Substack for free um obviously i'd prefer if people signed up and 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 you know went with the five buck a month option 
just to you know help support the work of the voices projects and and what I'm doing. But uh, at a minimum, it's good to sign up for free. Get your email in there so you can be updated on the work and the episodes and everything like that. So enough of that, though. So, um, but one thing, one thing that I have been thinking about, and this is kind of a piece I wrote recently on the Substack, um, not a podcast episode. This was a column I wrote, and it was called uh, "I'm Scared to Play Video Games." I believe is what I called it. Um, and this is kind of an idea that's been coming up in me a lot lately. Uh, and not, I guess I shouldn't say like a lot, a lot, but a fair amount. And I mean, if you've read the piece, you know what I'm going, what I'm talking about. Um, the piece is pretty close, uh, pretty in my head, sort of stream of consciousness thinking in some, in some ways, um, but it's basically I'm t- I'm I've had this thing where so like I for a long time years and years and years and years I have been incredibly addicted to video games. Um, I first started playing video games when I was young, way young, uh, like on the old Windows giant computer playing like little like Freddy Fish and other little tiny little kid video games, um, and that was one thing. But then you know eventually I got a PlayStation One. Uh, and, you know, started playing Star Wars Battlefront and, you know, just a whole bunch of different things, you know, played GameCube a lot, Super Smash and all that, you know, and then I eventually later on got an Xbox 360, um, really got into like the, uh, the Elder Scrolls series, role-playing games, you know, played so much Skyrim. Um, and lots of other games like that, you know, eventually got into, played a lot of like Halo and Call of Duty as well. And then eventually got into, um, you know, computer games, played a lot of like League of Legends and World of Warcraft and Guild Wars and Final Fantasy a little bit, not too much of that, but, uh, just, you know, whatever games, all kinds of games. I've played tons of games, role-playing games, MMO games, MOBAs first-person shooters, you name it, I played it. Um, And I've been very addicted to that for a long, long, long time. Um, I think for a long time, I really didn't want to admit to myself that I was addicted to them, but I always kind of felt like I knew that I was addicted to them. Um, There... There's a, there's a, you know, it's easy to classify it as a hobby when you're right in it and you're magnified to it and you're right up against it. Um, and I, I would say it was a hobby. It was a hobby. It, it, it was something I enjoyed. You know, it's something that I enjoyed a lot. But that easily can switch over into something of an obsession, something of an addiction. Um, to me, an addiction is something that interferes with your regular life, and it was definitely that. Uh, There's a lot of times when I would be at family functions or hanging out with friends or something like that, and I would be thinking of the video games, the current video game I was playing, thinking about Minecraft, thinking about whatever, whatever the, you know, crafting recipes in World of Warcraft or whatever the thing was, right? How to, how to do the best, like, fastest quest chain for this and, you know, just, like, dumb shit that has no bearing on, like, whatever family holiday function I'm at, right? Um, 
And oftentimes it also became the thing that I'm talking about to friends and other people. It's like the main subject of the conversation. And when I'm, when I was, you know, there was even a lot of times when I'd be, you know, I have the weekend coming up, right? Let's say it's like Thursday and people are like starting to throw around the ideas of doing something over the weekend, you know, going somewhere, doing something. And one of my first thoughts would always be like, oh shit, like I, I kind of wanted to use this weekend to play games. You know, I wanted to spend my Friday night, Saturday and Sunday just kind of geeking out on, on, um, feeding that addiction a bit, you know, really just kind of pigging out, sitting in my computer chair and, and all that. And I say this as someone who, I don't know, it, it's been a, such a ride because I think video games are great. I think they're, they've done really amazing things for me too, as in, you know, they've helped me develop a sense of imagination to some degree. The sense of like when playing role-playing games, like being able to decide how I want to build a character and what I want that character to be and fantasizing about like what he would do in the world of, of Skyrim or, or World of Warcraft or whatever world I'm in and, and like sort of creating like almost like a theoretical backstory for that character and different things like that. Like they have helped me develop a sense of imagination, a sense of creativity and and things like that, giving me an outlet for those those things with with obviously very apparent limitations, right? Um, but they've in the process they've become incredibly addictive and, and 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 became somewhat of an escape as well. There's a lot of times when it would just be, you know, as soon as I got homework done from you know in college, as soon as I got my homework done and wasn't in school and I wasn't working, I was on the games. Those were the, it's like, that was the mode of being, right? If I wasn't working, if I wasn't in school, in class, and if I wasn't having to go do homework, then I was playing games. That There was no other things I was doing um, often enough. And I think that's really dangerous, just like how we talked about binge-watching TV shows at the, uh, at the outset of this episode. Um... It's really similar to that. It, it became a, a life dominance thing, right? When I wasn't playing, that's what I was thinking about. When I was with people, that's what I wanted to talk about. When we weren't talking about that, I didn't care. When I'm with family who just want to be with me, that was one of the things I was thinking about was playing games. When people start talking about throwing around plans of for the weekend, I'm thinking about, mm, I kind of would rather just play games and start making up excuses. It was really hard to live in the moment unless that moment had me playing games, right? And and that is directly interfering with life. And I think that's kind of one of the big things that constitutes an addiction is if it's something that when you're not doing it, it's on the brain, it's in your mind, it's something that you're feeling like you need to do. Um, I think that's a red flag. And I've felt that red flag for years. And I've, I've seen it, looked at it, and immediately looked away. Um, and... It was not. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy this last year. Uh, this year's been crazy. This I, I think twenty twenty. There's parts of me that was grateful for the pandemic and moving to work from home and all this stuff. It was just like, oh hell yeah, I could just spend my time playing games now, and and that's what's expected, right? Like I'm supposed to stay home. I'm supposed to be doing nothing, and so that's what I did. But uh, 
like I, I spent most of 2020 just just either working at my job, and when I wasn't working, I was playing games and hanging, you know, with friends and stuff, and that was it. That was that was you know that was the pan- the first part of the pandemic, but it's really funny because the second part of the pandemic was completely different, and that kind of leads me to, you know, there's some like I said earlier, there's some good things that gaming got me right. That they got me more a little bit to be a little bit more creative, things like that. But it also really did a did a number on my health, um, and it, it, when I'm when I'm es- like what I was escaping right, I, gaming was a thing a way I could escape all kinds of things in reality. Some of those being the reality that uh, of, of eating healthy and actually like f- working out and taking time to do the things I knew I should be doing. Um, I spent so much time sitting down slouching uh, that I developed my back problems. Um, I think I was, I kind of had a predisposition a little bit for, um, you know, having degenerative disc disease, but uh you know, slouching in the chair and and destroying my spine all day for hours and hours on end did not help. It just exacerbated that problem completely. Um, and I spent so much time having back, you know, developing this back problem, right? And then I go and I try, you know, I tried doing a different hobby of mine, which was skateboarding, and I throw my, I, I destroy my back um, in like very quickly. Um, just because my body was not used to doing those things. It was used to sitting in a chair for 10 plus hours a day and playing games um, or working or whatever, but sitting in a chair. And I also have have seen decreases in my vision. Like I, I haven't, I've had, I had, to, I used to have really good eyes, um, 20, 20 vision a long time ago. And that's kind of declined. And I don't think, you know, I don't know if that's all because of gaming. I don't, I couldn't tell you what that's all because of or not. But I, I can definitely tell you that it played a part, you know, staring at a screen that's only a couple feet in front of your face. Um, pixels and, and, and all the blue light and different things that, that can't be good for it. And so, you know, there's that. Um, there's there's all kinds of problems. It, it made me put off social skills. Uh, I saw those declined quite a bit. It made me um, put off a lot of things. The thing that it really, really made me put off was the ability to focus on the things I knew were important. And those things primarily were, um, you know, what I wanted to do with my life, the career I wanted to have, um, putting time into actually writing because that's, that's, my, that's my real... That's my real passion. That's the thing I really enjoy. That's the thing that really juices me up, right? Is is writing. And pairing that with with I guess, you know, you could you could call it content creation or whatever, but like when I'm creating something, when I'm adding something into the the ethos, when I'm adding something into the marketplace, it gives me such a high that I I love, right? I love that. I and that's one of the reasons I love writing. I love formulating what's going on in my head and and putting it out there and the way the the specific things I kind of, that I enjoy writing it's it's pretty similar like one of my favorite styles of writing is really similar to this piece I wrote the I'm scared to play video games piece because it's really this raw gritty stream of consciousness writing that's just like here's the problem and here's what I'm feeling right now about it um and this kind of leads me into why I'm scared to play video games because it's like 
I've gotten so much done over this year, uh, this 2021 year, and I have accomplished so much. I've put so much work into what I'm what I'm trying to do, you know, in creating the podcast, in writing more, in developing the Substack and the newsletter, in building my building myself up, developing my habits, you know, getting myself physically fit. Um, you know, over the last year, I've lost like over forty pounds, and really got myself physically to a place that's way better. I've I've healed my back up quite a bit, still dealing with little problems, but you know, lots of things. Like I've made a complete one eighty. And I, during that process, I have played almost, I've played such a small amount of video games, if, if any. I mean, I think I played like Mario Kart with my little sister a little bit, um, and, and maybe something else I'm forgetting, but like barely any video games. And I've just like noticed how much time I have to chase the, my dreams, to chase what I want out of life. And I've realized how big of a roadblock the, that gaming addiction has been for me. It has been a huge roadblock for me a huge time sink and you only have i mean you only have 24 hours in a day and i was spending so many of those on gaming um and so yeah i I get to this point where it's like i kind of feel like playing a game i see that there's this you know a new game that comes out and um for me right now the one that kind of spurred me to think of this was there's this new game called back for blood that came out a zombie game i love zombies i know that's kind of a reoccurring theme of this episode but you know, I love, I love zombies and, and it's kind of like the spiritual successor of Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 and, you know, that series. And I love those. And, and so it's like, ah, damn. And my, I think, I don't know if my friends are playing it or not, but like, I keep, you know, I'm thinking like, ah, man, I want to kind of want to play that. I kind of want to play that. But there's this thing. It's like, you know, they say with with other people with, with addictions to drugs and things, once an addict, always an addict, kind of. And you know, there's some truth to that, and there's some falsities to that. But there's this thing, right? There it is again. It's the reoccurring statement in my piece where it's like, I don't want to fall back into those patterns. I don't want to fall back into the the patterns of the pattern of of having time sucked away that way. And and I think I have a lot more self-control now because I've, I've had to exercise that self-control and work it out like a muscle, but you know, it's not perfect. You know, I've binged nine episodes of squid game still. I mean, not again, like I said, it was like over the course of four or five days, but you know, I, I'm not above all that. I'm not above being like sucked into something, you know, and so I'm, I'm kind of scared of it. I know it's something that I'm weak in. I know that video games are something that I can very easily get just pulled into and obsessed with a bit. And so it's like this, it's this thing, you know, this tick. And I, and I don't, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's something, you know, it's hard to say I'll never play games like, like be serious about playing games ever again. And I maybe maybe that's a bad way to phrase it because I don't know that I ever will be like serious about playing games ever again. But it's like hard to say I don't ever I don't know if I'll ever be like casually into playing games again. Like that's hard to say. Because I do think that it's fun. I do think that gaming is fun and there's like some games that if they came out with sequels to it'd be really I would be like I got to play that, right? Like when the new Age of Empires comes out like shit, <laughs> you know, like I, I got to try that out, but 
but that's what I said about this back for Blood game, and now it's out, and I'm sitting here, and I haven't bought it, and I'm like, you know, shaking in my boots a little bit. Like, can I handle it? Can I handle it? You know, I don't want to buy it and play it for, a, you know, you know, two hours in one evening, and 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 then wake up the next morning and be like, oh, I'm getting back into it and playing that all day, and then all of a sudden one day's gone, and we're back into the cycle. You know, I've been there so many times. So many times have I. I've been in the cycle of just playing games for hours and hours and hours and hours on end, days and days and days on end. To the point I, I can't even tell you, like, I really have. Um, and I don't ever want to be there again, ever, 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 ever. Never again like that. So I just, you know, I, I know the answer is, well, to just have self-control. And I know, you know, just play, you can play a little bit every now and then, you know, on the weekends or you know, an hour and on some weekday evenings or hour or two or whatever, I can put limits on it. And I know I'm capable of that. And maybe maybe one of the reasons I needed to talk about this additionally uh, in, in unison with writing that piece um, on the Substack is maybe I just need to work through that, you know, verbally and, and, and linguistically on the page so that I can like know that I have the confidence to be able to exercise that self-control. But... It, it's an interesting thing. Um, it's something that I've thought a lot about this week. It's a very human experience, I think, not just in gaming, but like that's with anything. Lots of people have weaknesses and blind spots, and they get involved in things that they end up getting sucked into. Um, like going, hearkening back to the outset of the episode with binge watching. I mean, lots of people are into that, and lots of people know that binge watching things is probably not serving them. It's not really giving them. Um, something useful at the end of the day uh, and it's kind of out of balance and balance is the kind of the most important thing and so uh, yeah I don't know it's an interesting thing I'm going to have to keep tabs on it and I'm going to I'll keep up on it and I'll, it's if anything it's something that would be really good to be aware of but uh, I'm going to get out of here I'm going on a trip to Vegas tomorrow and I'm stoked um, seeing my friends tomorrow for the first time in a while since I moved to Georgia, so I'm really stoked for that. Um, it's going to be a good time. This episode, uh, I'm recording what on a Tuesday. I'm recording on a Tuesday. Ba- just barely released the new voices episode. Um, Flying cats. Make sure you go check that out. These voices productions are pretty cool. I don't want to like toot my own horn too much, but they are dope. Uh, these people have a lot to say. They deserve to be listened to. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff going on there. I've got more voices stuff coming down the pike and more interviews with more very interesting people coming down the pike as well. Um, I uh, the, the next Voices Productions probably looking like it's going to be having to do with COVID mandates and what people you know, think about them, if they agree or disagree, different things like that. So that's going to be coming out in the next, you know, sometime in the next month once I get that all worked out. And, uh, yeah, keep up to date with stuff and we'll go from there. Thanks for, thanks for listening, guys. If you had a thought or have a personal experience with binge-watching stuff, with Squid Game or with video game addiction, or you're writing something yourself, you can share that with me either in the comments on Substack or over on Twitter. My handle there is at C. Ashleman. That's at C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N. 
I'd love to know what your takeaways were and what you enjoyed or didn't about this brain dump. Remember, the best way to support the show is by heading over to bedletter.substack.com and subscribing. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know. One share really does help me out. The links to everything can be found in the description of this episode. I hope you have an awesome week. I'm Christian, this is Bedletter, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>